0: open your Bibles. This morning, we're really going to look at three different texts. Uh, If you want to look at Isaiah 9, Isaiah 26, and also Luke chapter 2. We'll actually read from Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to begin reading this morning, Luke chapter 2. And uh, we will begin reading in verse... um, Luke chapter 2 and verse number 8, and we'll read through verse 14. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, There were in the same country shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said unto them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign unto you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men." Isaiah 26, if you would turn there with me and beginning in verse number one. In that day, the song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God will appoint salvation for walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation, which keeps the truth, may enter in. And then verse number three, you will keep him in perfect peace. How many would like perfect peace? Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for in Yah or in Yahweh or in God, the Lord, there is everlasting strength. And then Isaiah chapter 9, a text that we all know and we have just heard recited, for unto us The prophet Isaiah said 700 years before Jesus was born. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and our subject today, the Prince of Peace, Holy Spirit. Thank you for perfect peace that comes only in abiding in Jesus. Teach us today what it means to have shalom, shalom, perfect peace. And teach us how to walk in that, to live in that, to spread that, to help others find that, to experience that in our lives and in our world. Ask God that your anointing would rest upon my life, not again because I have done something that merits me to be anointed. Not because I have given enough diligent effort to be anointed, but because without it, I cannot rightly divide and communicate your word. Lord, just um, hover over this place in these next few moments. Let the living word of God, the bread of life, speak to our hearts today. Give us wholeness. Bring healing where those are here today who need that. Let shalom come. Let the peace of God as the prince of shalom is in this place, ministers to us. I pray, God, that you would supernaturally captivate the attention of everyone in this room. And may your word change us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The naming of Jesus um, at the age of eight days old was very much like the naming of any Hebrew baby was. It was a significant event the day that Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to be named. It was an event that carried with it great weight and great meaning. In Matthew 1, 21, before Jesus was born, Gabriel the angel had showed up to Joseph. And he had explained to Joseph that the woman that Joseph was engaged to, Mary, was already with child. That which had been conceived in her was of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph was told by Gabriel the angel you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Just two two verses later in Matthew chapter one, the Bible says that that happens so that the words of the prophet Isaiah could be fulfilled, that a virgin would conceive and bring forth a son and he would be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The same message that Gabriel gave to Joseph, he then gave to Mary in just a few verses later, actually in Luke chapter one and verse 31, Gabriel said to Mary, his name will be called Jesus. So we get to Luke chapter two and verse 21, when eight days were completed, it was time that the baby was to be circumcised and it would be at that time, That he would be given his name he was given the name just as gabriel had proclaimed to mother and father he was given the name jesus at the age of eight days old there's many other places in scripture where the power of god's name is noted in proverbs 18 and verse 10 we used to sing a song that that captured these words The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous can run into that name and they are safe. In Acts 4 and verse 12, Peter proclaimed, There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, said that God had given Jesus, a name that was above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, of things in heaven and things on the earth and things under the earth and every tongue would confess that Jesus is Lord. The name, indeed the names of Jesus later given to him are all significant. And the names of Jesus are the subject of this four-week Advent series. Today I wanna look at this one name, he shall be called the Prince of Peace. There's four simple movements in this message today. It's not a uh, incredibly deep message, it's just very simple, but four movements that I trust will capture our thinking and stir our hearts Let me begin by talking about the elusiveness of peace in our world today. It's hard to get, it's hard to grab, it's hard to find. Most of us here today believe in God. Most of us here today are Christ followers and we want to know him better. But my guess is if we ask the question and every one of us answered completely honestly, whether or not they lived with a deep, consistent, and abiding peace, many in this room would say, no, I don't. It seems to be elusive. In the Old Testament, the word for peace was shalom. The word shalom and the Hebrew word for salvation, which was Yesha are almost synonymous words. Both shalom and yeshah mean wholeness, prosperity of the inner man, entire completeness. Most of us in this room claim salvation. Most of us, if we were honest, would say to know completeness and wholeness and abiding peace is something that too often (coughs) eludes us. In 1947, A.H. or W.H. Auden published a poem, 1947, called The Age of Anxiety that dealt with man's quest to find meaning in a world that had become quickly industrialized. St. Augustine of Hippo said, the punishment of every disordered mind is its own disorder. When our minds can't find completion, when they seem to be out of whack, the punishment for that is a life that lacks that kind of peace. According to the data from the National Institute of Mental Health, some 38% of girls ages 13 through 17 and 26% of boys in that same age range have an anxiety disorder. On college campuses, anxiety is running well ahead of depression as the most common mental health concern. And that was according to a 2016 national study of more than 150,000 students by the Center of Collegiate Mental Health at Pennsylvania State University. Think about where those numbers are now post-pandemic. We hear it on every newscast. We hear it in every discussion of the talking heads that mental health and anxiety and fear is absolutely crippling our young people and our nation. The source of that information came from an article in 2017 called The Prozac Nation is Now the United States of Xanax. And it emphasizes that anxiety has overcome depression as that which so many struggle with. Lloyd Ogilvie, great author, great theologian said this, we may be sure that we are going to live forever, but we sometimes have a hard time getting through life with a daily sense of God's peace. We all can sing about the coming of the Lord and we all long for that and we all know that we have eternal life, but living every day with the peace of God is that which eludes so many and so many who call themselves followers of Jesus. So let me ask you a few questions today. Do you have peace or is it elusive to you? Let me just give you a little peace test. Do you have peace of mind? Is your mind controlled by the Spirit of God, or is it controlled by a jumble of unforgiven shame, unresolved plans, and regular disappointments? What controls your mind? Secondly, are, are you feeling at peace? Are you at peace right now, or are you angry, fearful, envious, or anxious? Thirdly, do you have a peace about your future and your desires? God's will for your life. Number four, are you at peace with others? Or do you let them rob you of your peace? Does someone so irritate you that you can't even experience abiding peace? Number five, are you at peace in your circumstances? Or they disrupt your ability to be at peace? Number six, is your body at peace? Do you feel the tension of stress and the churning stomach, tight muscles, and high blood pressure, or is there a sense of peace of mind and peace of body? For so many, peace is elusive. I thought about this last week when I was preparing this message. I have pastored three congregations, Morocco and Winchester, and now here for the last 22 years. That spans three and a half decades, 36 years in all, and I started thinking about how many people have I pastored that really, did they really personify true abiding peace? I think about their faces, and sadly, not as many faces come to mind as should come to mind. But the ones that I think about, some are young, some are old, Some are wealthy, some are poor, some are educated, some are not. But what what is symptomatic of each of them is that they were unflappable. That they had suffered difficult circumstances, but they had a calm sense of God's peace. They had endured pain, but they still knew that God was in control. I can see a few faces in my mind when I think about that. People I've pastored that no matter what was going on in their life, they just had this abiding peace. It encourages me. It bothers me that not more have it, but it encourages me to know that peace does not have to be so elusive. We can know this peace even when our world sometimes seems to be falling apart. Say amen if you believe that. Let me talk, secondly, about the totality of peace. Peace is elusive for so many. But what about the totality of peace? Do we really understand what peace is? Cornelius Plantiga wrote this, really powerful. The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight is what the Hebrew prophets called shalom. We call it peace, but it means far more than peace of mind or a ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed, a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Look at this last line, shalom in other words is the way things ought to be. Shalom is the way God intends for things to be. This source of every believer's shalom is beautifully described by the psalmist's promise in Psalm 119, we just studied this a few weeks ago. Those who love your law have great shalom. Those who love your word have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon said about this text, I love this, what a charming verse this is, he said. It dwells, peace does, not with those who perfectly keep the law. Let me just stop for a moment. How many of us fall short of perfectly keeping the law? All right. So if it was great peace abides with those who perfectly keep it, I'm wasting my breath for all of us. But Spurgeon says, it dwells not with those who perfectly keep the law, for where should such men be found, but with those who love it, whose hearts and hands are made to square with its precepts and demands. These men are ever striving with all their hearts to walk in obedience to the law, and though they are often persecuted, they have peace, yea, great peace they have learned the secret of the reconciling blood. They have felt the power of the comforting spirit. And they stand before the Father as men accepted. The Lord has given them to feel his peace, which passed all understanding. They have many troubles and are likely to be persecuted by the proud. But their usual condition is that of deep calm, a peace too great, for this little world to break. How many want that kind of peace? A peace that is too great for this world to mess up. No matter what comes, I want that peace that that abides in me that no matter what is going on, I have the peace of God in its totality. God wants us to enjoy that shalom, that peace. Let me move to the third point and we'll spend a little time here So peace is elusive, peace is total. And third, the perfect peace we long for. God is, of course, our only hope for this kind of peace. You're not going to find it anywhere else. Isaiah called it perfect peace. We'll look at that a little bit more in just a moment. Jesus said the peace he gave, remember these words of Jesus, my peace I leave with you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. I'm not giving you peace like the world gives, because peace that the world gives changes every time the news comes on, doesn't it? Every time we watch the news, the world's peace changes. Jesus said the peace I give you is not as the world giveth. I give you my peace. Peter talked about multiplied peace in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, and Paul describes it in Philippians 4, 7 as the peace of God that transcends our understanding. It makes no sense. Can I just tell you, God wants all of us to live in such a way that people look at us and wonder why we're not shaken, why we're not troubled, why we're not anxious, why we're not flipping out, and yet we have the peace of God, and it will pass their understanding. It will make no sense to them. That's the kind of peace God invites us to live in. Say amen if you believe that. God's peace is superlative. It's excellent. It's the greatest quality kind of peace. There's no panic. There's no anxiety in heaven. God isn't nervous because he is in control. That's the peace of God, to know that he is in charge. He's creator. He's sustainer. He's redeemer. Real peace is to feel the calm assurance and wholeness of heaven. Real peace that passes all understanding is to know that on earth, Just like in heaven, God is supreme. God has not vacated his throne. Come on, somebody say amen. He is still in charge. That's the perfect peace that we can have. So how do we know and experience this peace? You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, Yahweh, God, the Lord, is everlasting strength. Let me give you the background of this text real quickly, and we are going to spend just a couple of minutes here. The people of God that Isaiah is prophesying to had abandoned the way of faith. They had always trusted God, or for the most part, they had trusted God up to this point. But when we get to this text in Isaiah 26, they had abandoned the way of faith in God. They no longer depended on God, but they depended on foreign leaders. They had decided that the king of Syria, or Assyria, might be their best bet to survive, and so they placed all of their trust in the king of Aram, the king of Syria. They sought collective strength from these other nations and in their own self and their own strength. But the result was neither political or personal peace. Isaiah is telling them, and he's telling us, that to put our confidence in other people, in other nations, in political leaders, in a political party, to put our confidence in anything else, the stock market, is bound to disappoint us, but thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. A mind stayed on God will find perfect peace. By the way, perfect is not even in the Hebrew. The word perfect is not even in the Hebrew text. It literally, in the Hebrew text, it it reads shalom, shalom. Not perfect peace, it reads shalom, shalom. The translators put it in there because they knew that the original writers were trying to say something about the peace and so they put an adjective, perfect, but it literally says, shalom, shalom. Alec Motyer says, it is a super superlative, like holy, holy, peace, peace. Rabbi Yekil Eckstein said, the second use of shalom is not so much for emphasis as for definition and interpretation. You see, Isaiah, as he prophesied, was separating pseudo-peace from God's peace. Shalom, shalom. God's kind of peace, total peace that encompasses mind, emotion, will, body, and all relationships. That kind of shalom, shalom, perfect God peace is to all those who will stay their mind on him. Now, the mind in Hebrew, the Hebrew word is yeser. It means mindset or tendency of the mind or focus of our attention. Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind, the Greek word for mind is phroneo. It's the same meaning. It's our attention. It's what we put our focus on. 2021, most of us are focusing on our iPad on Facebook, on Twitter, on Fox, or CNN. Our mind is focused on bad news. Our mind is focused on the internet, and we wonder why we don't have shalom, shalom. Amen, Pastor Kevin. Thank you for meddling into my life today. You are very welcome. That's what I get paid for, all right. God's perfect peace is given to those whose minds are riveted on God. Whose mind is stayed, the word stayed is samuk, interesting. The Hebrew word samuk is a um, passive participle, let me explain that. In Hebrew, an active participle is when I do something, all right? An active is, is when I stay my mind, when I do something. A passive participle is when somebody does it for you. This is a passive participle. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. It's something God does for us. When we trust him, he helps stay our mind on him. So I should pray this prayer. You should pray this prayer every morning. Lord, as I begin my day, I belong to you. I am to know peace, no matter what happens to me, and in spite of what is happening around me. So stay me, Lord. Stay me on yourself. Interrupt me, God. Stop me. Permeate my thoughts. Call me back to you, God. Stay my mind on you. When your mind wanders, let it wander to God. Let God stay your mind. Let the wandering bring God with it. That will keep him in shalom, shalom. Who allows God to stay his mind on him. Great peace have they that love thy law. It has a base for God to stay your mind. Prayer does the same thing. As I love the law of God, as I pray, God stays my mind. You see, it's not so much that we have to mentally make our mind think on the right things, we need to feed our mind the right things. Feed our mind the word of God. Spend time in God's presence in prayer, and He then, as you fill your mind with the right things, He will stay your mind on Him. Instead of going to the latest statistic that Fox News spits out, you will instead have your mind focused on the Word of God that you filled your heart with, and God will stay your mind on him, and you can walk in shalom, shalom. That's good preaching, by the way, this morning. You understand what I'm talking about? You understand what I'm saying? That will keep him in shalom, shalom, whose mind by God is stayed on him, but I've gotta give him something to work with. I've got to fill my heart and mind with his word, not with the junk of the world. A heart filled with trust will also find perfect peace. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for Yah is the Lord, is everlasting strength. The people of Judah had trusted in human leaders and not in the Lord. AND THEY HAD LOST THE LORD'S PEACE AS A RESULT. THERE ARE PEOPLE, THERE ARE CHRISTIANS THAT LOSE PEACE BECAUSE OF WHO SITS IN AN OFFICE IN WASHINGTON, D.C. OR IN INDIANAPOLIS. FOLKS, THAT'S NOT HOW GOD CALLED US TO LIVE. SAY AMEN IF YOU BELIEVE THAT. THAT'S NOT HOW HE CALLED US TO LIVE. THAT'S DOING WHAT JUDAH DID. PLACING THEIR TRUST IN HUMAN LEADERS. You will have no shalom, shalom, if you trust in human leaders. But thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They had come to realize that peace comes only from a personal trust in the sovereignty of God. Later on in Isaiah 26, Lord, you will establish peace for us. For you've also done all our works in us, O Lord, our God. Masters beside you have had dominion over us. But by you only we make mention of your name. They are dead. They will not live. They are deceased. They will not rise. Therefore, you have punished and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. Can I tell you, and I'm not prophesying, I'm just telling you what the Word of God says because it's appointed to a man wants to die and after that the judgment. Every leader that messes with your anxiety is going to die and perish, but the one who gives you perfect peace has died and rose again and lives forevermore. How many believe that this morning? <laughs> peace is broken when we trust in others or we depend on them to provide what only God can provide. People were never meant to be our provider, never meant to be our security, not governments, not political parties. But we have placed our trust there, and we have lost our peace. Look at what the writer of Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. When we trust others and place our eyes on them, we are cut off from the perpetual flow of God's peace. Remember Jehoshaphat, one of my favorite stories, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, armies are marching at him. They are coming at him, he doesn't know what to do. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But look at this, we have no clue what to do, but our eyes are up on you. God's people need to once again be like Jehoshaphat and say, you know what, the world is a mess. I'm not sure what to do, but my eyes are gonna focus on the God who created from his throne and has not vacated it since, and I'm gonna trust him to rule my life. A life that leans on him finds perfect peace. You will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. Trust means to lean on him, for he is everlasting strength. It was in 1776 that Augustus Toplety wrote, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Finally, the fourth. Uh, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah brought us full cycle. Minds stayed on him, hearts trusting in him, lives leaning on him. Leaning on who? The Prince of Peace. His name shall be called Prince of Peace. The angel the night Jesus was born proclaimed peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Jesus lived on this earth with his mind focused on the Father. Never did he take his mind off of his relationship with the Father. He walked in peace. He made peace for us at the cross. And he's done all of that for you and me so that we can live in that peace. Peace is available today. Listen to me. Peace is available today, that certain knowledge that everything we have been told about God is true and certain. That's what gives you peace. When you know that what you've heard about God, what you've read in his word, is absolutely true. I have peace in times of crisis because I know he will make a way somehow because his word says so. I have peace in death because I know that when this earthly house is destroyed. I have another building not made with hands. That's why, uh, as the children of God, we do not grieve as those who have no hope when death comes our way, because even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear evil, because he is with us, and we have a hope of a new body. I have peace in times of temptation, because I know that he will keep me from falling. Peace is that deeply held conviction that wars will not stop when one army defeats another. but Rather, when all armies beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and the Prince of Peace comes to reign. Peace is not limited to in times, in times when all is in order and tension is absent. Peace is available no matter what we are facing as we lean on the Prince of Peace and find in Him strength for another day. How many of you long for that kind of peace this morning? You long for that kind of peace. Why don't you stand with me if you would? I'm going to close in just a couple of moments. Stand with me. I want you to listen really closely. To hold steady if you can. I know that some are preparing to serve, but the rest of you can hold steady. This piece that I'm talking about today is ultimately, look at me, is ultimately not just personal. That's sweet. The personal peace is sweet. But it's not just about personal peace. The angels in Bethlehem said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, all of humanity. How selfish it would be for us to live with inner peace and not do our very best to bring that peace to those whose lives are in chaos and in torment. And can I just tell you, look at me, our world is there. You're going to go to work with people tomorrow, some of you, or go to school with somebody tomorrow, or maybe even go home to someone whose life is in chaos and torment. Not just about abiding in my peace, it's about bringing peace wherever we go. Listen, peace is not just within us. I wanna wanna meddle just a little bit more. Peace is not just within us. It must exist between us. If we are out of fellowship, with one another, or if we turn a blind eye or a deaf ear to a world in chaos, we cannot be at peace because our apathy has enabled the distress of another. Christ came, how many believe this? Christ came to bring peace, how many believe that? Christ came to bring peace, to bring reconciliation. And notice this, he made the first move God commended his love toward us, Romans 5.8, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He said, if there's going to be peace here, I've got to make the first move. Maybe you need to make the first move. Maybe you need to say to someone, I'm sorry. Maybe you need to say to someone, I forgive you. Maybe you need to say to someone, please forgive me. Maybe you need to respond with your resources so that people around the world can have peace. Peace comes when someone makes the first move. It's been such a divisive year, two years. Elections, politics, COVID, community division, trumped up division by people between races and ethnicities. Church has fallen prey to it as well. Churches have divided. The answer is not in our marches, it's not in our protest, it's not in more books. The is in the Prince of Peace. Say amen if you believe that. The angels announced it, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Jesus promised it, my peace I leave with you not as the world giveth goodbye unto you. And then he made it possible at the cross. Let me end with a story. Author Andre Nguyen, Andre Nouwen actually, tells the story of a family that he knew in Paraguay. The father was a doctor who had spoken out against the military regime in Paraguay and its human rights abuses. The local police took their revenge on him by arresting his teenage son and torturing him to death. Enraged townsfolks wanted to turn the boy's funeral into a huge protest march. But the doctor chose another means of protest. At the funeral, the father displayed his son's body as he had found it in the jail, naked, scarred from electric shocks, cigarette burns and beatings, and all the villagers passed by the corpse, which lay not in a coffin but on a blood soaked mattress from the prison. It was the strongest protest imaginable for it put injustice on grotesque display. Isn't that what Jesus did at Calvary? The cross that held Jesus' body naked and marked with scars exposed all of the violence and the injustice of the world. At one moment, the cross revealed what kind of world we have, and what kind of God we have. A world of gross unfairness and sin, a God of sacrificial love. We will see peace only when we lean not on our own understanding. We fix our thoughts on the Prince of Peace and turn our focus and the focus of the world in which we live, to the cross on which Christ died and wherein he revealed the gross brokenness of the world and the great sacrificial love of God. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you, Prince of Peace. Thank you that you made the first move. Help us to abide in you, To allow you to stay our minds on you and help us to respond and make the first move to bring peace to a neighbor, to a friend, to a family member, to someone who's hurt us, to a world that's broken, tormented, and chaotic. Help us to be peace speakers, those who bring the peace of God that passes all understanding to a world that's broken and hurting, I pray. If your heads bowed for just a moment this morning, let me begin by talking about you individually. Maybe you are here today and you do not have peace with God. You don't have a right relationship with Him. You know, you know your heart's not right with Him. You know that you're not ready for heaven. You know that there's something between you and God. It's called sin. And you want that to be removed today. You want to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning and you would say, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want peace with God. Would you slip up a hand right where you're at? Anyone in this room who would say, would you pray for me? I want to make peace with God. I want to experience His peace in my life. Anyone in this room that would raise a hand and say, would you pray for me? I want to commit my life to the Lordship of Jesus. Anyone in this place? anyone in this room. How many then, let me ask you a second question, would say, I'm going to ask two questions. We'll put them together. But how many would say, I want to live in that kind of peace where my mind is stayed on God and I want to bring peace to others. I want to make the first move and bring peace to others. How many would raise your hand with me and say, That all over the place, all over the place. Let's worship Him.